Wessex Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tyg Hines. Interlopers at the Knapp by Thomas Hardy. Chapter Four. Time passed, and the household on the Knapp became again serene under the composing influences of daily routine. A desultory, very desultory correspondence dragged on between Sally Hall and Darton, who, not quite knowing how to take her petulant words on the night of her brother's death, had continued passive thus long. Helena and her children remained at the dairy-house, almost of necessity, and Darton therefore deemed it advisable to stay away. One day, seven months later on, when Mr. Darton was, as usual at his farm, twenty miles from Hintock, a note reached him from Helena. She thanked him for his kind offer about her children, which her mother-in-law had duly communicated, and stated that she would be glad to accept it as regarded the eldest, the boy. Helena had, in truth, good need to do so, for her uncle had left her penniless, and all application to some relatives in the north had failed. There was, besides, she said, no good school near Hintock to which she could send the child. On a fine summer day the boy came. He was accompanied half-way by Sally and his mother to the white horse at Chalk Newton, where he was handed over to Darton's bailiff in a shining spring-cart, who met them there. He was entered as a day-scholar at a popular school at Casterbridge, three or four miles from Darton's, having first been taught by Darton to ride a forest pony, on which he cantered to and fro from the aforesaid fount of knowledge, and, as Darton hoped, brought away a promising headful of the same at each diurnal expedition. The thoughtful taciturnity into which Darton had latterly fallen was quite dissipated by the presence of this boy. When the Christmas holidays came it was arranged that he should spend them with his mother. The journey was, for some reason or other, performed in two stages, as at his coming, except that Darton in person took the place of the bailiff, and that the boy and himself rode on horseback. Reaching the renowned White Horse, Darton inquired if Miss and young Mrs. Hall were there to meet little Philip as they had agreed to be. He was answered by the appearance of Helena alone at the door. "'At the last moment Sally would not come,' she faltered. That meeting practically settled the point towards which these long severed persons were converging. But nothing was broached about it for some time yet. Sally Hall had, in fact, imparted the first decisive motion to events by refusing to accompany Helena. She soon gave them a second move by writing the following note. Private. Dear Charles, living here so long and intimately with Helena, I have naturally learnt her history, especially that of it which refers to you. I am sure she would accept you as a husband at the proper time, and I think you ought to give her the opportunity. You inquire in an old note if I am sorry that I showed temper, which it wasn't, that night when I heard you talking to her. No, Charles, I am not sorry at all for what I said then. Yours sincerely, Sally Hall. Thus set in train, the transfer of Darton's heart back to its original quarters proceeded by mere lapse of time. In the following July Darton went to his friend Japheth to ask him at last to fulfil the bridal office which had been in abeyance since the previous January twelve months. "'With all my heart, man of constancy,' said Dairyman Johns warmly, "'I've lost most of my genteel fair complexion haymaking this hot weather, tis true but I'll do your business as well as them that look better. There be sense and good hair-oil in the world yet, thank God, and they'll take off the roughest of me edge. I'll compliment her. Better late than never, Sally Hall, I'll say." "'It is not Sally,' 
said Darton hurriedly. "'It is young Mrs. Hall.' Japheth's face, as soon as he really comprehended, became a picture of reproachful dismay. "'Not Sally,' he said. "'Why not Sally? I can't believe it. Young Mrs. Hall? Well, well, where's your wisdom?' Darton shortly explained particulars, but John's would not be reconciled. Well, "'She was a woman worth having if ever a woman was,' he cried. "'And now to let her go?' "'But I suppose I can marry where I like,' said Darton. "'Hm,' replied the dairyman, lifting his eyebrows expressively. "'This don't become you, Charles. It really do not. If I had done such a thing, you would have sworn I was a cursed northern fool to be drawn off the scent by such a red-herring doll-all-all. Farmer Darton responded in such sharp terms to this laconic opinion that the two friends finally parted in a way they had never parted before. John's was to be no groomsman to Darton after all. He had flatly declined. Darton went off sorry, and even unhappy, particularly as Japheth was about to leave that side of the country, so that the words which had divided them were not likely to be explained away or softened down. A short time after the interview Darton was united to Helena at a simple matter-of-fact wedding, and she and her little girl joined the boy who had already grown to look on Darton's house as home. For some months the farmer experienced an unprecedented happiness and satisfaction. There had been a flaw in his life, and it was as neatly mended as was humanly possible. But after a season the stream of events followed less clearly, and there were shades in his reveries. Helena was a fragile woman, of little staying power physically or morally, and since the time that he had originally known her, eight or ten years before, she had been severely tried. She had loved herself out, in short, and was now occasionally given to moping. Sometimes she spoke regretfully of the gentilities of her early life, and instead of comparing her present state with her condition as the wife of the unlucky Hall, she amused rather on what it had been before she took the first fatal step of clandestinely marrying him. She did not care to please such people as those with whom she was thrown as a thriving farmer's wife. She allowed the pretty trifles of agricultural domesticity to glide by her as sorry details, and had it not been for the children, Darton's house would have seemed but little brighter than it had been before. This led to occasional unpleasantness, until Darton sometimes declared to himself that such endeavours as his to rectify early deviations of the heart, by harking back to the old point, mostly failed of success. Perhaps John's was right, he would say. I should have gone on with Sally. Better to go with the tide and make the best of its course, than stem it at the risk of a capsize. But he kept these unmelodious thoughts to himself, and was outwardly considerate and kind. This somewhat barren tract of his life had extended to less than a year and a half when his ponderings were cut short by the loss of the woman they concerned. When she was in her grave he thought better of her than when she had been alive. The farm was a worse place without her than with her after all. No woman short of divine could have gone through such an experience as hers with her first husband without becoming a little soured. Her stagnant sympathies, her sometimes unreasonable manner, had covered a heart frank and well-meaning, and originally hopeful and warm. She left him a tiny red infant in white wrappings. To make life as easy as possible to this touching object became at once his care. As this child learned to walk and talk, Darton learned to see feasibility in a scheme which pleased him. Revolving the experiment which he had hitherto made upon life, he fancied he had gained wisdom from his mistakes 
and caution from his miscarriages. What the scheme was needs no penetration to discover. Once more he had opportunity to recast and rectify his ill-wrought situations by returning to Sally Hall, who still lived quietly on under her mother's roof at Hintock. Helena had been a woman to lend pathos and refinement to a home. Sally was the woman to brighten it. She would not, as Helena did, despise the rural simplicities of a farmer's fireside. Moreover, she had a preeminent qualification for Darton's household. No other woman could make so desirable a mother to her brother's two children and Darton's one as Sally, while Darton, now that Helena had gone, was a more promising husband for Sally than he had ever been while liable to reminders from an unsecured sentimental wound. Darton was not a man to act rapidly, and the working out of his reparative designs might have been delayed for some time. But there came a winter evening precisely like the one which had darkened over that former ride to Hintock, and he asked himself why he should postpone longer, when the very landscape called for a repetition of that attempt. He told his man to saddle the mare, booted and spurred himself with a younger horseman's nicety, kissed the two youngest children, and rode off. To make the journey a complete parallel to the first he would fain have had his old acquaintance Japheth Johns with him. But Johns, alas, was missing. His removal to the other side of the county had left unrepaired the breach which had arisen between him and Darton, and though Darton had forgiven him a hundred times, as Johns had probably forgiven Darton, the effort of reunion in present circumstances was one not likely to be made. He screwed himself up to as cheerful a pitch as he could without his former crony, and became content with his own thoughts as he rode, instead of the words of a companion. The sun went down, the boughs appeared scratched in like an etching against the sky. Old crooked men with faggots at their backs said, "'Good night, sir,' and Darton replied, "'Good night,' right heartily. By the time he reached the forking roads it was getting as dark as it had been on the occasion when Johns climbed the directing post. Darton made no mistake this time. "'Nor shall I be able to mistake, thank heaven, when I arrive,' he murmured. It gave him peculiar satisfaction to think that the proposed marriage, like the first, was of the nature of setting in order things long awry, and not a momentary freak of fancy. Nothing hindered the smoothness of his journey, which seemed not half its former length. Though dark, it was only between five and six o'clock when the bulky chimneys of Mrs. Hall's residence appeared in view behind the sycamore tree. On second thoughts he retreated, and put up at the alehouse as in the former time and when he had plumed himself before the inn-mirror, called for something to drink, and smoothed out the incipient wrinkles of care, he walked on to the nap with a quick step. End of chapter 4